0: This is the shift podcast
1: on the shift daily podcast painting of Hawkins cheesies is going viral. We sat down with a Canadian who painted it. Maggie Hall tells us all of her reasons for painting painting her favorite snack and some insightful perspective on what it's like to be an artist and live that life. Who would be your dream wedding singer shift heads share with us the dream acts singers and bands to perform at your wedding reception and are you okay with orange juice and so much more.
2: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: Are you okay with Orange Juice? I love orange juice. I'm very okay with orange juice.
3: I think it's fantastic. It's 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 good it's good. It is good, but like Orangina, you know, which is kind of just like basically less sugary orange pop. That is like The pinnacle of juice in my opinion even though i think it's only 30 percent of juice um but that's my vote for juice so it's not really juice juice no i'm a cranberry guy i've always liked the cranberry juice so you like the sugar i think is
1: what this is boiling down to the tart the tart well real cranberry juice is like very tart like it's like extremely tart like nobody likes cranberry juice It's (laughs)
0: it's tart, <laughs> and it's it's good for urinary tract infections. It is. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's
1: very good. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Kelly over there.
0: Yeah, uh, orange juice. I guess it's fine. Yeah, I haven't had it in a while. Um, pulp or no pulp, though. Oh, I
3: don't know. Um, no pulp. Oh, disgusting. I think
0: oh. next time I visit my mother in Central Florida, I'll have to try some good old fashioned cool. Florida orange some juice. Yeah. Some self squeezes there. Yeah. That really is the best
1: of the juice, though, when you squeeze your own. It really is. I have a juicer, and it really is the best. The only problem is it takes all the pulp out of everything, but it's fantastic. Like, if you want to make your own juice, and like some apples with carrots, so good. Celery is actually really
3: good. Right? You can do celery. When I worked at that Waffle House, we had this giant machine that was a juicer from Spain, and you would dump a crate of oranges at the top. And an orange would fall down and there would be a cup and it would suction it and split it right in half and squeeze it. And I swear we sold more orange juice than waffles at that place. It was the best. That was the best orange juice I've ever had. And it was all homemade.
1: Why didn't you tell us this story before? I've never heard about magical juicer. Because I completely forgot
3: about it. Completely forgot about it. I kind of... Blocked that whole chapter of my life out. Yeah, um, really. It's, and, and now it's back. <laughs> Yay! I was,
1: it's all this kid rock talk, hey? It's got you thinking about waffles.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. I was gonna say, of all the jobs I've had in my life, the many, many jobs, I've never juiced anything.
1: No. Like no, no. no I've never juiced. <laughs> makes you want to make a fitness center joke. Um. Okay. I mean, I like the orange juice staple for me. My morning smoothie is spinach, kale. Uh, mixed berries, raspberry, blackberry, blueberry, a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of cranberry juice, water blend. I used to put in yogurt I don't put in yogurt anymore. Like just like a Greek yogurt. But, um, you know, that to me is my, that's my morning routine. I love that stuff. So yes, for the orange juice. Now there's an orange juice company, uh, that makes more uh, than more orange juice than anyone else on the planet, by the way, it's one of my favorites. You got to be careful. You got to make sure you get the real legit orange juice, right? Not just like the, f- the fake stuff with a ton of sugar added and everything else. Tropicana is the big company. So of course, Ryan had to get a weird nineties Tropicana commercial because he loves them.
0: What we start with is real and pure and perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: Feel good. I feel good just yeah. hearing that commercial. Like that's feel good stuff, right?
0: It really, well, an, an orange it really juice commercial today in
1: 2022 is more like drink our. Or I'm not saying this is Tropicana. This is hypothetical. Uh, drink our orange juice. It'll give you abs for your social media. And if you don't drink it, you're gonna die, die, die. That's what marketing is like today.
3: So Ooh, like or it would, or be like Tropicana, or. Generic orange juice brand now made with one thousand percent organic, locally sourced, environmentally free, not hard yeah. in the environment whatsoever. Now in compostable plastic cartons, just for yeah. you. Buy yeah. now. Our tractors Follow are electric. On TikTok. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, enough
1: hypothetical orange juice commercials. Tropicana is now celebrating Orange Juice Day. Didn't know that was a thing with an unconventional new product.
3: But this company, Tropicana, is breaking tradition, swapping out the milk and adding the OJ to cereal. It's called the Tropicana Crunch. The cereal is a honey almond flavor with granola, which I don't feel like would be that bad.
1: This looks like pure foolishness to me, but I'm sure there are folks watching They're like, ooh. <laughs> this looks like pure foolishness to me. I like that lady. Hey, it is good. It's good. That's from First Coast News. Mm. Okay, so it's cereal with orange juice. Uh, We didn't even know that was a thing, Tropicana writes, Mm. but it turns out there are totally normal people amongst us juicing up their cereal bowls. You might be one of them. (laughs) The cereal is designed to be drowned in OJ and consists of sweet honey almond clusters. I think this is interesting. I think this is fantastic. According to Tropicana survey results acquired by Wakefield research, uh, 15 million Americans have tried orange juice cereal combo. 52 million are willing to try it or have already tried it themselves. Tropicana crunch will be available ahead of Orange Juice Day on May 4th. May the 4th be with you at Tropicana's website. Um, I think it's a great idea. I, the, the, to me, this is, there's, this is
3: fantastic. It's, I'm actually okay with this too. I think it's what it's actually probably a really smart marketing move because it's inherently kind of interesting and it's probably a product they're not going to plan to make forever. But so many people would try it out of curiosity. It's not like a new Coke situation where it's like we are completely reinventing our brand. It's like, no, hey, try it. It might be fun. You might like it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, you need a lot more orange juice to fill a bowl for cereal than a glass. Mm So it's, good I, it's it's a very good I couldn't business. do that. I
1: would have to dilute with water. It'd be too sweet for me.
3: Yeah, exactly. yeah. And you don't want Let's put ask the, Mr. Healthy. 50, 50, 50. Mr. Healthy, Ooh, Brennan point. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh orange oh, yeah. juice if it's real
1: orange juice with a a, a cluster of oats, yes. honey almond clusters, um would that would that fit into your uh, your broccoli and uh, brown rice only diet?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh the oats are too much, uh, too much in the way carbs. There, I don't know. I don't think I would do that. Oh, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oats, well, really?
1: The sugar. As long as there's, it's honey and not sugar. That would be one thing. That would yeah, it yeah, that
0: helps. That's true. Yeah, honey's I, great. I probably just have the but orange juice and that's it.
1: cereal is is really really bad. Yeah, in today's world for the amount of sugar that's in cereal, like even the even the low sugar cereals are bad. It's true. Very bad. I like this idea. I'd like to also acknowledge Trucker Dan, who says um, McDonald's serves the best fast food orange juice. Definitely. Um, oh, here you go. Um, this person is on the same page as you, Brennan Kelly. Hi, Shift heads. Love, love fresh squeeze orange juice. Also, regarding urinary tract infections, the real deal is cranberry juice by the brand Bremner's. Uh, the best no sugar, no water
0: puree. Oh, pure. <laughs> That wasn't me. I not didn't text right. that. That wasn't me.
1: you. Didn't text yeah. that in. Yeah. That wasn't. That's not my number. Look at that. No. Yeah. Look at that. Could be your soulmate right there. Yeah. Call me. 399 Eight seven seven three nine nine
3: ninety eight ninety eight.
1: Lost connections on shift.
3: <laughs> you want me to do a sexy voice for that, or should we? Dude, save dude, that I think you need a sexy voice.
1: That's Ryan O'Donnell's sexy voice. <laughs> we need wait a second hang on let's get we're going to do this we got to do this um uh, we got to do this right one second here let me get ready
3: it's just it's lost connections that's that's the word we're using
1: yeah well yeah lost it's connections. usually I mean, it's,
3: late night confessions so we're doing, late night okay, confessions okay. yeah but. there we go baby is something missing in your life it might be a connection that's long long lost Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Get connected.
1: Oh my god! You okay with that?
3: I well, I really feel like <laughs> we should phone Laura and apologize. Oh oh yeah this is, yeah. This is one of the segments that I will maybe delete from their phone.
1: <laughs> we um we said sexy. We did agree on sexy voice, right? Did I misunderstand?
3: I can't get any sex here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <man. laughs> well, oh, God.
1: Uh, oh, you better put a ring on that soon. And <laughs> <yeah. laughs> mm-hmm. i just saying your options might be limited. <laughs> oh, God. That was sexy voice. I would think that'd be a great idea to do again, except for the fact that I'm not sure I ever want to hear that again. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Me either. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with... not with that are you okay with living on a golf course
3: uh i'd like to live near a golf course i find those neighborhoods are nice and Mm -hmm. i I, if i was going to live in a certain a suburb i would choose to live that with one that has a golf course if i could afford it but i don't know if i'd live on the course
1: okay i mean you don't live on the course you just you're like up on the course, next to the course. You're not like living on the Near. course. Well, yeah, you're well, like on you the side I mean. of the I'm, course.
3: Yeah, uh, but no, like I don't, I don't want to open my backyard. Or, you yeah, know, open the door to my yard and 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 be, the course be there. I want to be like two oh. streets down.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. BK. I was just wondering, like, when you put this together, were you in a Central Florida state of mind? We went from orange, oranges, know, right? and orange the juice the golf. to golf. What's next? Are you okay yeah. with cruise ships? Like, what's going on? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm actually working on a cruise ship one right now for tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I've I've lived on a golf course. I loved it. BK, what do you think? Lived on a golf course? Yeah, no, I don't know. I, wouldn't, I don't think I would live on a golf course. They're pretty. They're nice to look at. They're nice to drive by. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could live on one, though. I'm not, like, huge into
1: golf. Here's the benefits. Uh, I love golf. I've been golfing since I was 13, so that's a lot of teens ago. And um, I, I love golf, although when I moved to the golf course, I actually golfed less. So that sucks, but I lived on a golf course and it matters where you, you live because proximity and you have to know golf, I think when you buy on a golf course, because then you know where people are going to hit the balls. And when I lived on a golf course, the benefits included, you have no neighbors behind you. You have to get used to the movement as people go by with their golf carts, right? But it's usually really quiet and it's fun. You know, you hear people laughing and, you know, clink that kind of stuff. So it's golf sounds. I mean, that's golf sounds are nice. And in the winter time is where the magic happens. Cause then you don't have anybody around. It's
3: quiet. Oh,
1: so I had a hot tub. And so in my backyard, I had a hot tub built into the deck there. It was really nice. And so in the winter time, there was nobody around. It's great. So that part was beautiful. So I would suggest it, but you got to choose where you live. You get great views, access to the golf course. Uh, you run the risk of getting your home attacked by golf basilosaurus. Period.
3: Ooh, Brian, that's a good one. That earned the button. Wait a minute. <laughs> Should I give you another? Wait a minute. <laughs> button?
0: It's a typo. <laughs> yeah, it's a spicing
3: it up. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt on that one. It's a typo. It's a typo. Golf balls. Uh, golf.
1: Getting your home balls. attacked by golf basilosaurus. Periods. By golf balls. It's pretty much inevitable that you, if you live in a golf course, your home will get hit by some golf balls. Now, my neighbor used to walk around the neighborhood with, um, with golf balls in his pocket and he would throw them on your front yard just to trick you to think that your people are hitting over your house, which was fun. My house would get about one or two balls a year. That was it. So you got to live in the right wow. spot. Now I know other houses that would have holes in the siding. It's pretty much inevitable that something's going to happen, though. This home homeowner in Denver, it happened here.
2: It came down, hit one car, bounced over, and hit the other car. you find golf balls in your yard?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Christine Fulham has seen several golf balls land on the street in front of her home. You can see a lot of the golf balls. She's heard several hit the side of her house or the plexiglass covering her windows.
2: You hear the big bang, and then the plexiglass makes a whole different sound, so you can
0: tell. I think we all kind of get used to it. (laughs) That one was $375. Her neighbor, Carmen Molech, This window here was broken two times. ...is getting fed up with all the golf balls damaging her stucco siding. And it came right through the bottom window. Windows, frames, and garage doors... I understand the risk living on a golf course. However, I expect a golfer to come up to my house and say, listen, I just broke the window. How much is it? She says that's only happened once in 18 years. Most of the time, when she goes out to speak to them after hearing a hit or seeing damage, it doesn't end well. Name-calling, basically telling me, well, you live on the golf course. It's your own risk.
1: And that's the attitude, by the way. That's from Denver 7. People will say that. Well, they're the dummy who bought a house on a golf course. It happens many different ways, just so you know, Um, that some golf courses have insurance policies. And so if you break windows, the golf course already has a policy for the people who live on the golf course. And other golf courses have signs up saying you're responsible, and they will do it. I've seen that Um, where, I, like, hey, so-and-so just hit my window, uh, you know, and they know where you live because you're on the golf course. And what they do is they... Um, they they can tell who who it is, and they'll actually just go confront them. Uh, and some of the golf courses have a waiver when you go to play at the golf course, and you you know pay the thing, you're agreeing to the the terms of the deal. And um, and that's what that's what. So you're agreeing to it with whether you realize it or not. A family in Massachusetts though is put up with a maelstrom of golf balls. Wow, that's a word. I love um, that word. Yeah, it's with a whirlpool of golf balls, by the way. Um, Eric and Athena Tenzer have been awarded $5 million in a Plymouth County for damages and mental and emotional suffering. There have been multiple broken windows, according to the lawsuit, and one particularly jarring shot on July 18, 2018, that struck a window in the home, shattering the glass and terrifying the plaintiff's young daughter, and resulting in the Tenzers contacting the Kingston Police Department to file a report. The Tenzers claim... Their home is at the bend of a severe left curve in the course, so golfers seeking to cut the dog leg would regularly blast off the tee in hopes of clearing the tree line and up hitting the house instead. Now, the couple and their three young daughters hope that the problem could be solved as the tee box on 15 has been moved back, de-incentivizing golfers from their attempted shortcut and instead encouraging more simple shots that follow the dog leg. I would say um, if you buy the house on the point of a dog leg on a golf course, that one lands kind of squarely with you. Right? I mean, it's obvious
3: at that point. 600 though. Like even on on your course, would you um, would you imagine that volume of of golf balls hitting any home? Yeah, there's one on house the I remember on the
1: 17th hole. I was on the 15th hole. This And there was one too, house yeah. on the 17th hole that was um was exactly that. It was like the it really? looked like someone took a shotgun to that side of their house. No, it was just broken siding everywhere. So, but I mean, there's things you can do too, right? Like you could put fences over your windows. There's all kinds of things that you can do as well. I mean, you do choose to live in a golf course. I mean, it's not like without risk, right? I mean, is anybody, It's it's like when people buy houses next to a river and then they're like, I can't believe the river got bigger in the springtime. Like it's, Okay, I get it, right? The beautiful river, but if you're buying a house in a river, there are times when there's more river. So th- let's just, you know, call it for what it is. Point. I bought this house next to the racetrack, and there's loud cars around all the time. Right? So, I don't know. I just... I, I feel for them because I went through it, but at the same time, you do have to take responsibility a little bit. Just saying. All right, do you want to do one more, or we got to get out? Right? Let me know. Do You have time.
3: Mm, the other ones are pretty long. I think we might yeah. have to. Yeah. All
1: right. Can we do the the public speaking one?
3: Oh, we could do the. Oh, yeah, we could do the public speaking one. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, buddy. Are you okay with? Ooh, I wonder. <sighs> <laughs>
1: Are you okay with bicycles? No, I don't know. I'm trying to find something that's not public speaking. Are
3: you okay with public speaking?
1: What a surprise.
3: Oh, I never would have guessed. Yeah, yeah, I like I like public speaking. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, my first speech I ever gave was in about? grade seven.
1: What, was your, what would be your topic if you could choose today? What do you feel like you could bring to the masses? It was sneakers and Lego. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> so Ryan's public speaking is about Lego. So what would be about Lego? Is it about the experience of Lego or the inspiration behind Lego or the creative result or the process? What what part would you speak about?
3: Pretty much all of it. I think
1: uh, no, I no, think inspiration. Pick a topic, man. Okay, We're not looking okay, for a had...
3: weekend. We're, this is not a weekend event, Ryan. You're just coming oh, in to speak. Geez. Okay, I'm just coming in to speak. I'm going to come in and speak about the uh how why Lego is a rewarding hobby to get into.
1: Okay. So
3: why Lego
1: is rewarding. So Ryan O'Donnell, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Uh, Ryan O'Donnell, telling you why Lego is rewarding.
3: Hey, Ryan.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, Just do not do your public speaking in your sexy voice, by the way.
3: No, yeah, I wasn't planning on it.
1: All right. Uh, It's not easy. Public speaking is not easy, but there are some skills and tactics that you can get uh, in front of you to learn and become more comfortable as you do it. You have to be willing to lean into things and step into uh, moments that are uncomfortable when you're public speaking and sort of push your way through them. Now, I don't mean that uh, that sort of pun there um, accidentally because that's what happened. Imagine public speaking while in labor. So this is what I imagine Ryan O'Donnell would be like if he was public speaking about Lego. Uh, the the benefits of uh, taking Labo, Le- 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 Lego Lego <laughs> Labo, Lego labor Lego oh boy on as a hobby uh, hi hi ryan and Lego's a good hobby because you gotta put the blocks together and then you take a yellow one and a blue one
3: <laughs> something like that you're not far now, off. One My, of the- I would have a much more aggressive scream but you're oh. not far off Okay, yep. thank you. All right.
1: All right, it was hard to tell because your sexy voice is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's probably how you got in this situation. Actually, you're using the sexy voice. Um, it's one of those situations, public speaking while in labor, that just seems impossible, and yet this happens. And strengthen our human and public
3: infrastructure.
0: Excuse
3: me. Woo. That is former state representative Erin May Quaid, and she started having contractions earlier that morning, the day of the convention on Saturday. Quaid's campaign tells Fox 9 she decided it would be crucial to go to the convention to talk to delegates. Well, she ultimately left after the first round of voting to go to the hospital and her campaign decided at that point to withdraw from the convention. Her opponent, Justin Emmerich, won the DFL endorsement unopposed in that final round. Now, in a statement from Emmerich in response to the convention, he says, I'm just focused on running the race and winning in November. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that we keep the seat into the DFL hands. He also added that he hopes the baby is happy and healthy and Quaid's campaign says baby and mom
1: are doing great slacker if she was a real champ she would have had the baby and finished the speech let's be honest she really cared well, about her community in politics i'm kidding. that's the I'm totally attitude kidding. that this wow. guy has
3: obviously you're kidding obviously and <laughs> being yeah. crazy to say otherwise but just oh I get the story gets more insane keep reading trust me okay that's from fox 9 from fox 9
1: yes the minnesota state candidate went into labor right at the end of her candidacy Emma McBride, the political director for the women, uh, women uh, for the women winning and campaign surrogate, said uh, before either candidate knew the results of the first round, May Quay directly approached her opponent Justin Emmerich. She told him that she could not stay the whole day and asked if he would be willing to suspend convention and go directly to the primary because of the baby and the birth. And he refused. Wow.
3: And he still won. Anyway. But then- What a nice guy. (laughs) Courtesy. Chivalry is not dead. No. Hey, man. All's fair in politics,
1: even if you're in labor, I guess.
2: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Here in The Shift, we often joke that the unofficial food is Hawkins Cheesies. We love Hawkins Cheesies. And sometimes people will call in and they'll say I like Cheetos, and then we just hang up. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that, but we do love Hawkins Cheesies. So picking through the tick and the talk, Ryan O'Donnell is um, is uh, we found this 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 video of an artist who uh, painted a picture of Hawkins Cheesies. Now you might think that okay, that's weird. Why would you paint Hawkins Cheesies? I'm guessing, Maggie, you painted Hawkins cheesies because of how glossy the bag is and how difficult it would be. But, or is it just because you love Hawkins cheesies?
2: It's actually because I love them so much. <laughs> They're all over, I've got empty bags all over my studio. They are my go to snack in the studio oh, that's and have been for years. See,
1: that's fantastic. Maggie Hall uh, is an artist in Calgary and Maggie painted Hawkins cheesies. Now, we're going to post that video up at shiftheads.ca, so you can see it. And like, I didn't believe you, Maggie, until you got the camera really close and you could see the canvas. Like, you could actually see the fact that it was paint on canvas. I was like, there's no way. It's like an applique. It's fake. There's no way that this is a painting. You legitimately painted that?
2: Yes, I did. I've actually painted. It's a whole series. I couldn't stop at just one. I painted one, (laughs) I want to say, like, just under a year ago, and I sold it almost instantly and I posted it online on Instagram first, and it struck a chord. I did huh. it for me, and yeah. then I realized the impact that this little sort of nostalgic bag has on yeah. lots of Canadians. And so I started doing a series, and I've, I think that's the eleventh one—the one, the one really, eh? on TikTok. Yeah, so they're getting yeah, that's fascinating better and better. But they're well, huge, and
1: it's amazing because it's glossy and it's beautiful. Like it, it's it's just jumps right out. Like. It, it, I, just looking at the bag itself, it's, it's quite amazing. And then the fact that you can turn it into a painting is amazing. It's what it is.
2: And that I keep doing it. It's interesting to sort of play with light in that way and sort of trying to capture the reflections. Um, It's actually the studio light and sunshine um, on the sort of creases of the bag. And then the most difficult part of those paintings is actually painting the back side of the bag, it's translucent in the middle, obviously. And so you have all these ingredients and sort of, you know, unimportant information on the back and trying not to focus too much on those details and just focus on mark making and then glazing layers and layers of oil paint over it so that it looks transparent. It has depth.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when did you start painting? Like, were you like four, you colored crayons? Like when did it all start?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So From painting was many years later, maybe sort of a teenager or my twenties, but from a very young age, my father gave me crayons and I've had crayons in my hand forever. My whole life, there was a a 10 year period where I didn't do any art at all. Wow. Yeah. And then I got back into it. um, Seriously, when I was about 28, so almost 10 years ago and just been doing it full time ever since.
1: Fantastic. Okay, so when you were a teenager, you were doing this. I mean, I know that my daughter, she likes to paint and, and scribble and, and draw, and she's very, very good. She's naturally good. She's the kind of person that that uh, upsets people because, you know, at 15, she, she basically sits down and does it once every six weeks. So it's kind of like you said, about 10-year break, um, and sits down and does it, and then you look at that, and you go, okay. Th- like, you haven't done this in months, and look how good it is. So at one point in your life, you had this notion that you could be an artist or at least do it for. Relax or whatever it was, creation, whatever it was for you. What, what, what was kind of artist was that when you were younger? Did you imagine yourself being?
2: So I would say it was something that came very naturally to me. I didn't have any understanding of being an artist as a career until my late 20s, early 30s even. It was sort mm-hmm. of, you know, the age-old trope of artists are broke and it's not a real job and you know, you're not going to make any money off of it. And so I didn't really pursue it when I was younger. I just did it because I enjoyed it. It was a mm-hmm. meditation of sorts. And it was that seems common,
1: isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. like it's a, it's a chance to sort of, is it being with yourself or is it getting away from things? I suppose that could be two things, right? Like I always say about people who run marathons that, you know, there's, there's two kinds of people that run Right. There's someone who's running from something as their escape. And then there's seems to be fewer, but there's people who run to a finish line. So one person is sort of creating a race and one person is getting away from something and experiencing a race. Um, what, What is it for you?
2: I would say younger. I, so I don't believe in free will. I, <laughs> um, and
1: there's <laughs> a big statement. Tell me about it. Yeah, tell me, oh, tell yeah, me about I Listen to a
2: lot of STEM hairs while I, while I are, for sure. But, um, so it just sort of came to me and I, I, I don't feel like I can explain, um, why, why those sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, why it sort of stuck, why I would look at an object as a young child and think I need to color that or draw that. I need to sort of process it through my mind and then through my hand and onto paper. But it just sort of was a common theme my whole life. And mm-hmm. so I would say in the beginning, I ran just to run. I did art just to do it. And now I want to accomplish something now. Yeah.
1: So you're running to a finish line. That's cool. Yeah.
2: Now I'm so- in my career.
1: So is it like, Are you? Ch- is it like channeling, right? So if we want to get into the hippy-dippy, let's do it. I love it. So <laughs> um, so I, I have a friend of mine who's clairvoyant, and she always says, you know, we think as humans that these ideas we have are our creations. That they, she, she says uh, in her speaking, she'll say, you know, you have this bright idea, and we as humans, we get all selfish. We think that, oh, I came up with this. But really, she describes it simply as, you know, those are sort of your guardian angels getting in your ear saying, hey, by the way, look at that. Notice that. Look at that. You can do that. You could do it, right? And sort of creating that. Is that what you mean about the free will, like sort of a destiny uh, channeling thing? Or, is, or am I way off?
2: Not really destiny. Yeah, so I'd say like a little bit more into the science of it. I don't believe you control, I don't believe in free will because you don't control any of the inputs. You don't control what happens to you in life. You don't control your genetics, which is sort of like who you are. You don't control other people's behavior. You don't control your situation. Um, and so your body's just sort of like Reacting, and I know I'm probably going to sound nope. a little bit loopy. Totally but get it. Nope. I encourage totally you it. to listen to uh, Sam Harris, who talks a lot about um, yeah, you know, free will. I love and it. An illusion.
1: Well, it's it's the lens, right? I, I've always been taught that uh, it's easier to understand when you talk about it from glasses, like right. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are in a relationship, and then we get dumped, and that's a new set of glasses that we put on our yeah. eyes, right? And then after that breakup, we, uh, you know, maybe we lose our job. And there's another set of lenses that go over your eyes, right? And if we don't spend time with trying to at least acknowledge and be cognitive of the um, cognizant of the, of the, of the lenses that are dropping in front of our eyes, we will constantly see things through a distorted lens. That's what you're talking about, about, you know, these things that happen to us. So that makes sense. I I think that's fantastic. You said Sam. Sam Harris.
2: He's a modern day uh, philosopher and yeah, he's very interesting.
1: all right. Well, this is fantastic. So how do you take all that then? How do you take, I mean, really we're going from sort of the experience of all the things that you have and then how does that translate into, into, you know, creating the way you create because the paintings are Maggie, the, the paintings are stunning. Like the detail is stunning. So how, how does that turn into like a tangible thing?
2: I would say that, um, I would just consider myself very lucky I don't know how else to explain it. Um, it's an urge or um, an itch that sort of needs to be scratched in terms of like creating art. I can't explain why I can look at a cheesy packet um, after I've finished it, of course, and think, you know what, I'm going to spend the next two weeks <laughs> of my life making it five by four feet tall and I'm going to sit here and use paint and try and create this image as realistic as possible. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where I get the perseverance to do it. It just sort of, it's an urge. It's like a little bit more primal. Mm-hmm. And do you
1: need to explain it though? Like do you, do you, or do you get to, are you satisfied just trusting it 100%. and experiencing it? Uh, do you need to even explain it?
2: No, I just do it. Like, um, I don't know if you saw the ketchup packet, I just make art and I have so many, we all have, but I have so many inputs from the internet, from life, from past experiences. And sometimes those images just stick in my head and they need to come out as art. And so that's what I do. And I've just been lucky that they happen to be images that people that really resonate with people that they really enjoy. And so then I've been able to sell my work and it's been good so far. I don't feel any so, sense of ownership. Like I didn't, you know. Mm. I work hard, mm-hmm. but yeah, like these are not like moving mountains sort of ideas. This is just, I don't know. Just, I have to do it.
1: Well, we have this. We have this notion that that our stories have to be big. So we do a thing here on the shift. It's called Good News Tuesday, and it's uh, my philosophy on it is very simple: is that we create, we share good news. Good news is always there. People say, "Well, I've had a bad day." Well. In my study of language, you can't have good unless you have bad. You can't have left unless you have right. You don't know what left is until you've experienced right or up or down or hot or cold. So in that logical experience of what is life, um, we sit here and we go through all of these experiences of what we have. And so when you're able to take that and you're able to take it and put it and translate it into something, then, then you know where you're going with it. it. just It just is, right? And so you're just with it. And that, that's an amazing way to experience what you go through is just to sort of accept that it's there and you're not going to control it. You're not going to change it. It's warm today. It's cold today. It is what it is. Yeah. But it's also in Good News Tuesday, the most simple of the topics, not big. We've had some big ones. We've had, uh, we've had sisters of brothers who were in palliative care that were never supposed to make it that are now uh, low functioning, but functioning and communicating and and, and able to eat on their own. Like these people were not supposed to make it. Mm -hmm. Those are big stories, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, some of the best stories are is that, you know, my good news is today is that, you know, my partner made me my favorite roast beef sandwich and put it in my lunch and didn't tell me and I found it at work tonight, (laughs) right? So what I hear from what you're saying is that, Things like ketchup packets and uh, you know Hawkins cheesies bags those are the real life things that we carry with us as the experience that truly do matter it's not the big ones it's the little things and and so that's why it feels like it's a really good fit
2: I think I really like that idea that's interesting um, part of if I think about where it comes from and I try and think about this because I don't really know. I think the fascination, so there's two common themes in my work, and it would be nostalgia and making small everyday items very large. And I think that comes from childhood. And when you were a child, you know, you sort of tend to focus on the details of things. You would pick up a ketchup packet and you would stare at it, you would look at it, you would find like a, you know, those little green army men toy soldiers. Mm You, you would study, you would look at the features. And as yeah. an adult, you don't think about those things. You just- Cereal box. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, or, you know, the chocolate looney right. peeling back the foil. And so you focus on these details. And so in the art I'm creating, especially recently, it's making them really big to make adults go back to that feeling of being a child and paying attention to the details and things. And even the cheesies that big, you start to look at the reflections. You start to look at the, you know, letters on the reverse side of the packet. Sort of trying to bring you back to a maybe a sense of play or yeah fun. Like pay attention Mm. to those details. What's what's in the mundane, what's interesting. Mm
1: that's fantastic okay so tell me about your art because we're going to share those links up of, of your art and of your pages and stuff like that uh you do you commission for people do you this is my shamelessly sell maggie moment uh <laughs> do you commission for people do you just do your stuff and sell it i mean what, what is your favorite real thing to do because um, i would imagine if i came into you and i said you know hey i want it to look like this with all these things and whatever whatever probably not a fit but if i said maggie here's the wall i love hawkins give her
2: yeah, so I, I generally I don't take commissions anymore, um, and I really operate best my best work comes when I'm just sort of free to do my thing. And so if you were to say, "Here's a wall. I like color. I like these five objects. Great, I got you. We're like, let's go." Um, but at the moment, since so I have a small following on Instagram and TikTok's sort of taken off in the last couple of days, I've only been on it for a week, um, but. Everything's kind of waitlisted right now. I think there's only one or two pieces available. And so the originals go very quickly. And um, then I have prints, limited edition prints online. And so those are more accessible. And obviously there's in volume, they're more available
1: careful you're gonna turn into a business person
2: <laughs> I hope so that's exciting oh that's so
1: much fun I, I think that it's neat to sort of take away for everybody um, the experience of being an artist I know that we to have so many people that share their arts uh, their arts their art online with us and there is a um, you know there's a guy with part of Good News Tuesday online he shares his um, uh, one of his paintings every single week just in the last couple of weeks because he did it and so many people liked it that he was he had said well maybe I'll I'll do this every week for everybody and I'll just share some of my artwork from time to time with you. And as I say this to you, I'm trying to find it so I can give him uh, proper, um, accolades for, uh, his name. So while I look that up, cause I want to get it right. Tell me what painting looks like for you. I think that when we talk about painting, you know, they, we imagine what we see in the movies in these beautiful loft studios in downtown New York, and you're splashing paint all over and smoking a cigar and, <laughs> Drinking whiskey or whatever that painters do, and and from those perspectives, um, do you paint at night? Do you paint at day? Do you randomly paint? Do you have to set aside time and turn off the world? Um, how does it work?
2: So I would say I'm one of the most disciplined and hardworking painters that I know. Um, I am in the studio six days a week for sure. Often seven. I had a baby eight months ago. And I had a show, a solo show at Master's Gallery three months later. I am wow. very committed to my work. And I sort of, I get to the studio. Now it's a little bit later, maybe closer to 7.30. But I, I used to operate 6.30 in the morning till five at night. And you, I was just in the studio. Whether I painted all day or not, I chose to be here. Because even when you don't feel like doing something, if you're in the space of creation, sometimes you'll get to the studio and you'll think, oh, I really, I just don't feel like it today. I just want to chill. You'll get to the studio and then you'll see a piece on the wall and you think, oh, I, I think I know how to fix that. You know, it's a problem. I've been, you know, a piece you haven't worked on for a little while and you see it in a new light and you'll just pick up a brush and go, okay, I'll do 20 minutes. And then six hours later, you know, your piece is done. So I'm disciplined in how much I work. Maybe I work too much, but that's, <laughs> that's okay. Because uh, practice, it's a skill. Yes. Um, I know that people like to say, oh, you're so talented. I struggle with the word talent because to me, if anybody put as much work into, um, into art as I have, I think you would be amazed at how good you could be. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that everyone, you know, would be brilliant, but it's commitment. It's, it's thoughtful and mindful practice every single day.
1: So we've been working from home, obviously so many of us, uh, now that have you had to keep the studio separate from home intentionally to make sure that you have that space to go to? Cause it's one of the things that I struggle with is that when, I mean, in my business um, and in my personal writing, when COVID started and the impact of change hit me, I wrote all the time and I fill one of these books every year. I pick one book and this is nothing but notions about words, right? A little moleskin book. Yeah. And the one from last year is probably not even a uh, maybe a quarter maybe a third full and i've been at home living at home working at home non-stop and that's sort of what i blame at it so i i guess i'm I, i'm noticing in my life that when we create all at home i don't like to sit down and create anymore when my creation space became my workspace, and i did the radio show from here from this desk i didn't do it the same way i stopped doing the other things so is keeping it
2: separate part of your secret I would say hundred percent. Yes. I'm very fortunate that I live two blocks from the studio and, uh, I work in a art space. There's, I think about 40 other arts artists in my studio, but we all have separate units and with our own separate washrooms. So during the pandemic, we actually all sort of came to work and you just sort of went into your own space. So I was able to work right through. And, um, I was lucky enough that it, I found it to be after the initial shock of what was happening, I found it to be sort of the mass accelerator because there were no more social obligations. There was there was nothing else to do besides, you know, like you went right. home and, you know, we're with your partner or, or family and then to work. And so I actually, it, it worked out really well for me, but yes, I had to keep them separate. I don't know what it would be like if I had yeah. to be at home.
1: The last time I did a radio show in a studio was in June of 2020 and it was in Ottawa.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So I have not done a radio show in a radio studio since then. So I don't even know anymore. Right. So it's crazy to think. Um, Yeah. Like it's also different. Do you and I quite like it. Going
2: it? to work like that. No,
1: no, no, I don't. I don't miss going to work at all. Like driving at nighttime, doing all those things. I don't like uh, you're from Calgary. I'm from Calgary. So our studio is on the West side, 17th yep. Avenue, up sort of Richmond up there. Yep. And, um and so it, it, for me, it—I'm in air so I—that drive is—I'm—I'm I'm not interested. Yeah, just not interested. They said, "When do you want to go back to work?" I said, "I don't." Why? Why? We do it here. Everything's great. Why would we do that? So I get that. I think that everybody relates to that part of the. That part of the experience of it. This is fascinating. Maggie Hall is an artist. We incidentally, Ryan bumped into the, the Hawkins cheesies painting and looked at your stuff, thought it was fascinating. Then Ryan goes, Oh, she's Canadian. And here we are. So I really appreciate um, uh, the candor. I'm going to do some learning about Sam Harris and uh, what's the website where everyone can go and can see all things, Maggie Hall and her uh, almost inappropriate love affair for Hawkins cheesies.
2: <laughs> it's love MaggieHall.com. It's the same. Uh, all the social media handles are the same as well. So Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of it. There's art, prints, NFTs. I do it all.
1: Everything's there. Yep. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for being so generous, uh, generous with your time.
2: Thank you very much. This is the Shift Podcast.
1: The question we've asked you here in the Shift is what wedding? a uh, band or singer would you have at your wedding ah, i should have known this was going to go <laughs> sideways 8773999898 <laughs> so here are uh we're going to try to get you know some song clips and stuff if you don't know some of these artists um to try to get them in here so who would you have at your wedding let's let's start here now bk you don't talk about getting married very often you know uh, no. or anything like that i mean it doesn't seem to be something that's uh, in your short term no. plans anyway so but have you ever thought about like if you if you ever did have so, sort of a nuptials kind no. of day what what band you'd
0: want there? Uh, no. Uh <laughs> no yeah, any nuptials that I have will be very last minute Las Vegas type deal. Um <laughs> Oh good. Yeah. Yeah, 100% I'm committed to that too. You can have Devo at your uh, at your Dude, wedding? That room. would be amazing. I would love to have Devo at my wedding. I would say something like, like maybe The Cure would be great because it's both oh. sides of the both sides of the aisle, they've got love songs and uh, existential despair songs. So that right, it basically it's kind of fits like marriage. There. actually. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. Yeah, let's <laughs> Call Robert Smith, get him over here for my Las Vegas. Now, movie.
1: some of the uh, some of the texts have speculated at what Ryan O'Donnell's would be. So I really wanted to go there. Um, what would you do for yours, Ryan, if you had to? Uh, when you get married, let's be positive because I know you like the notion of of love and and marriage and all those things. What's, um, what would you, uh, what would you do for an artist?
3: It would, it would not. Sorry, I had to adjust my mic. <laughs> it would not be Morrissey or the Smiths. It would not. What? would not be that? Oh my there. God. It would not. Really? Yes. You wouldn't would want not to put that, that dark
1: cloud, rain cloud over the wedding but, day?
3: Look, I'd rather just like go see them, you know, like it, it, look, the Smiths love songs are amazing, but the Smiths love songs are like geared towards like when you're, you're a teenager, like you're really young, and you make a lot of mistakes. And it's not so much like everlasting love. Oh, I just that this kind marriage of love. could be
1: a mistake, man. You got to live into it. I mean, this could be the biggest uh, mistake of your true. life. I mean, the Smiths could be perfect.
3: Look, I see the merit there, and there will absolutely be Smith songs played at my wedding. But if I had to actually pick a, an artist, I'm I'm going for a party here. Like a good wedding must be a good party, and I would have I would have picked Daft Punk. But I'd actually now, because I'm on a huge kick, I'm 100% going with Disclosure. 100%. I want to just party. Wow. Yeah.
1: Disclosure. Wow. Okay. Well, most people aren't going to know Disclosure. Disclosure is a UK dance group. Yeah. Um, and okay. uh, they've got a song. The biggest song is probably the one they did with Sam Smith, which was Latch. Yes. Um, so it's going to be an electronic show then for you. Absolutely. Right. Because yeah. they've got this sort of, I think a very housey feel stuff. It doesn't get really intense. Uh, some pretty good bass house stuff, bass line stuff. But, um, yeah. you know, this is this is the one with Sam Smith.
3: Yeah, this is their, definitely their biggest song. Uh, my, the, the one I would definitely I feel like, lose it to. I feel too, like you're in a baby yeah. blue
1: suit, Tux, and I feel like you're snapping as you walk in with sneakers on.
3: Yeah, something like that. Well, okay, actually, that's a great transition because no matter what band is playing... Um, I have already chosen the song that I will walk to the aisle to. And um, it this no matter what, this must be my intro song at my wedding. Brennan's the second one. Panama. I am walking down to Panama. And the reason why is that the, my last two weddings I've been to, my best friends, I've all dared them to switch out the cringy Ed Sheeran uh walking down that cheering song for panama and i will be the man to do it i will be the man to do it
1: are you are you okay you're gonna have to help me understand because i'm thinking traditional wedding here where you don't get to walk in with your own song you sort of just show up and then uh your partner gets to walk in with a song are you proposing a a new a new approach to the wedding or are you just looking to make a grand entrance because you want to be dramatic
3: grand entrance because i want to be dramatic of course but also nice. like everybody will be seated there will be the altar and then the groomsmen will walk to the altar and then the bride like that but panama will okay. be the, the the crowning achievement because i can finally say we did it
1: i don't think you want to wear tight yeah. pants i think that's what it is yes yeah. you can wear high top sneakers you can wear tight pants have some park hand lights in the background hey mm-hmm. i've already got the guitar
3: picked out don't worry there you go you're not the only
1: one who picked Van Halen uh, in this massive really? long list of other Van Halen people. Um, I'm going to have to try to find it later because there's no way I'm going to dig through this. And thank you for all your messages. Uh, if you sent me the artist and then sent me the reason in a separate message, I can't reconnect those. There's hundreds here, just so you know. Um, okay. Disclosure is a great pick. There you go. Some affirmation for you, Ryan. Nice. Red Hot Chili Peppers comes up on that one. And uh, that's pretty cool. We also have Chicago. Chicago would be cool. That's going to be I mean that's a that's a pretty special old band. I mean you, you got to be a fan of Chicago like really um to to sort of probably have an experience with them. Um just probably don't do if you leave me now. I mean that's probably not the song that you really want to right? Like Hey so uh, uh hey Mr. Chicago if you leave me now I don't think that's a winner. Like I just I don't think that's a yeah, maybe towards probably. the end of the wedding night. You know, give it some time. <laughs> what would be your wedding uh singer or band? Enya from Larry or Dead Can Dance. Oh no. Nice. Uh, yes, and ask Ryan okay. ask Ryan about the Smiths. L O L. Um I would have the band Guar at my wedding. Uh, okay. Well, most people don't know Guar, so let's probably uh, bring that one up, and let's see if I can even play any of these. Uh, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, well, sick of you. I got to be careful with. Let's try this one. How about this? One? This one's probably better here. Uh, so remember, it's a, it's a wedding. Adam Sandler comes on the list, which is... Delightfully
0: ironic. Oh, yeah, wedding singer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd like right.
0: that. I like that wedding.
1: That'd be fun. That could be a good wedding right there. Uh, collective Soul. <laughs> I think Collective Soul would be great. That'd be That'd a be great funny. wedding band. Yeah. Um, also, Duran Duran. Yeah. And keep in mind, these can be singers that are no longer with us. Roxette. Would be another great band to have there. I mean, it, like when you get Collective Soul, I guess it's a little bit younger, right? I mean, sort of the the pair, the grandpa of the '70s folks are not going to really know the Collective Soul, but if you get into set, you're going to slide towards those. 80. You're going to you're going to bridge that, you know, the uh, the grandparents gap, if you will. Bare Naked Lead Ladies for a wedding band. I think that'd be cool. Um, what else do we have here? Harvenator here. I am a late boomer. 1953, I would choose the Beatles, and I love her, would be the song. And he says, because I did, until she passed away. That's beautiful, Harf. Thanks, buddy. Um Okay, the reason why we're talking about this is there is an article that came out that we wanted to share because Wayne Gretzky's daughter, Paulina, got married. And I just found this interesting. I mean, if you have the resources of Wayne Gretzky and all the money that he has, and Paulina Gretzky married Dustin Johnson, professional golfer and very successful one. Very good one. And who would you hire if you had all of those resources to be uh, your your wedding band? Well, uh Dustin Johnson and Paulina Gretzky got married at Blackberry Farm Resort in Tennessee on Saturday. Paulina shared a short video of the reception which featured their wedding singer, Let's just hit the clip. Now, do you recognize who that might be?
3: Yes.
1: (laughs) I don't think many people will, but if I play this, you probably will. Skip it so you can get to the singing part.
0: She was and she was far
3: from in
1: the only thing that would have fit more for that is if they got married in a Waffle House, but Kid Rock was the wedding band for Paulina Gretzky and uh, Dustin Johnson. Now, I'm hoping that that means they go for the party vibe, because I would imagine it to be a little bit more of a refined affair than Kid Rock. You know?
3: Yeah. I don't know. He was wearing a suit instead of like cargo shorts and a tank top, so I'll give Kid Rock credit for that. He did dress for the occasion, and apparently, he's like really good friends with Wayne Gretzky. Apparently, mm. yeah,
0: yeah and just, with Dustin it's just, Johnson, it's just weird.
1: Well, I guess uh, so. Anyway, Wayne Gretzky and uh, and Dustin Johnson got married, and um, it was in Tennessee's Smoky Mountains, which seems very fancy, very fancy. Steve is in Loops. Uh, hey, Steve. Good, buddy. How are you? How's Kamloops?
0: Oh, it's pretty good today for a little while, and then we got clouds and crap, but it'll get oh. <laughs> better. <laughs>
1: it's clouds and crap. Well done, Steve. So who would you have at your wedding, buddy? The Black Keys. The Black Keys. That's beautiful. Why the Black Keys?
0: Well, because they have a bit of a range of music, and it's not all just hard rock or anything like that. They got some slower mm-hmm. stuff, so mm-hmm. most people would can probably get behind that.
1: You know what you could really do if you had the black keys there, Steve? You could actually grab a couple of road hockey nets and break out a little road hockey game right there in the reception hall, and every time somebody scores, you could actually do what the hockey teams do and do the howling for you. Look at that. Put it all together, man. All the hockey fans would be oh. happy. Yeah, that's it. I love it. That's cool. Hey, Steve, thanks for the uh, call, man. I appreciate that.
0: All right. Thank you. So,
1: later. So here you go, Stephen Camloops. Howlin' For You. Howlin' For You? Lonely Boy. I don't know.
3: I must admit, I can't explain.
1: See the crossover? I get what Steve's saying there. I think Steve's on to something, right?
0: Gold Definitely. on the ceiling.
1: Right? I want gold on yeah, That's the on one ceiling. you think we should do? Gold okay. on the ceiling. This is such a good song, though. All right, Gold on the Ceiling for BK. <laughs> See, it's good. Yeah, I get it. You know what? If you wanted to cross over... Now, let's play connection here, Brennan Kelly. If you were going to cross over like a band like the Beatles uh, generation to... I think they would probably really appreciate the Black Keys. Kind of got that same crunchy, poppy feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they got a throwback feel to them for sure. 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I like this. Okay, if you were going to get married, uh, what band would you have here? Okay, so I've got so many. ACDC, Lucas in Toronto. Thanks, Luke. Um, Chicago. Come on, play a happy song from Chicago. (laughs) Okay, um, Ozzy Osbourne. He's my hero. My wife, not so much, but she'd have to put up with it. Or Motley Crue, as long as they stayed away from my wife. LOL. Oh, God. Some of these uh, weddings are not off to a good start, I'm guessing, based on some of the song picks. Uh I, It's very apparent for the people who are picking songs just for themselves versus songs that they think would fit for their relationship. This is fun. Okay. Um Slipknot. Very memorable for the older people. Slipknot, if you don't know. <laughs> um I don't know which one should I play. Duality?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, probably.
0: <sighs> that's probably. the radio one. I think that's the one they got on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think my head would hurt after this wedding, and not from well, the, I think he, not from the if open you time. if
1: you hired like an EMT, like an ambulance on standby, and they were there, I think you're good. Good idea. You just roll roll people out as as the mosh pit gets a little wild you know because granny in the mosh pit trust me you ain't never seen anybody go wild there was a great video i, I think i shared it with ryan that was um it was like my 92 year old grandmother wanted to do um keg stands at <laughs> some wedding and they had grandma <laughs> on a keg stand like it was great i love it never underestimate the grandmas first of all they're the best never. party animals uh gail is in toronto hey gail
0: i would want glenn miller I like the reason being, because every wedding I've ever been to, when the DJ puts Glenn Miller on, the entire room stands up and dances.
1: Yeah, that's probably true, actually. Um, is, is the relationship for you anything, or just the, just the experience of the wedding? Is there, like, a sentimental song?
0: I, I love Glenn Miller music, mm-hmm. um, but there's no emotional tie. There's no particular song that's that, good. you know, just makes me cry or anything.
1: Yeah. But I well, I the just, you might get in the mood. You
0: never know. <laughs> you never know. It's Thanks, a wedding. Gail. It's I've a wedding. That's, stories. I've,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Thanks so much, Gail. Appreciate it. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, Gail's in Toronto. Burton is in Winnipeg. Burton, you're going psychedelic on me, buddy, for your wedding.
0: Yeah, I have to go for two tunes. Uh, the first one would be would be the band Sweet. Love is like oxygen. And then if things go sour, it'd be Pink
2: Floyd, Mother.
3: <laughs> <laughs> things go sour. <laughs> You're gonna
1: have a little acid and there. If for, you, and uh... if
0: people are not familiar with the song, you guys can always play like a, you know thirty seconds or twenty seconds of the first one and the second. No. See. If not familiar, <laughs> it's, no, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, but so for sweet though, I mean, you got Mega Party jams there, bud. You got Ballroom Blitz. You got Fox in the Run. Yeah, right. There's some there's some good party stuff. Yeah, there, there. is. Yeah, I think,
0: yeah. Could, I think could, it's uh, a good era for me, anyways. But uh. it, well, I
1: think it's a good era. Sweet is one of those bands that they crossed over into that party bar thing for decades after the songs were popular, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a fair ball. I think you're onto something there, Bert. Thanks, Bud. Thanks, Pelsi. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Cars party comes in. Adrian in Surrey. Your rhythmics for my wedding band. Annie Lennox has the most beautiful voice. Would be great for a wedding. Our question is if you were going to get married, you could afford anybody for your wedding. What, who would it be? Um, Dustin Johnson married Paulina Gretzky <laughs> and, um, and Wayne Gretzky's daughter. I think I misspoke on that one earlier. Did not marry Wayne Gretzky. Uh, but I, we don't judge. Whatever. Love is love. Anyway, um, and they had Kid Rock as their wedding singer. I don't know. Just doesn't seem like the kind of wedding singer that you would. You would really have there let's go to derek in edmonton hey derek hey shane how's it going good i already know what you're going to say so this is funny so you might as well just spit it out
0: (laughs) well so we were you were talking about slipknot a little bit and Mm -hmm. i ended up getting the slipknot variant of covid
2: just after the concert i got sick
1: oh okay so you went to the concert then you got covid Yes. Okay, well, what band would and you I'm like really to sure have your at your
2: wedding? At my wedding. Okay, what?
1: Yeah, thank you. I would want the Black Dahlia murder. All right, now I'm going to have to play this clip. Um, I'm going to just advise everybody in advance that this is about to be loud. <sighs> I'm assuming that the shift heads don't all know Black Dahlia murder.
3: These guys are awesome. Uh, thank <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> thanks, Derek.
1: I appreciate that, buddy. Uh, Derek and Edmonton right there and the Black Dahlia murder. It's going to be an eventful night for Derek, without a doubt. Okay. 877-399-9898. Les is in Hamilton. Hey, Les. Hello. What song would you want to have or what band would you uh, want to have at your at your I wedding? You be call? At your wedding be call. Uh, for me, it would be the Tragically Hip for three reasons. My wife and I was our favorite band, and I couldn't name a band member to save my life. But when they did their surprise concert tour, one of their stops was at Hamilton Place. I was working as a security guard. I sat in the dock and talked to Gord Downey for over an hour, had no idea who I was talking to. People walking up to me asking me if that's Gord Downey. Well, I, I didn't know who he was, so I said No. So get home, tell my wife the story, and she starts jumping up and down, grabs one of my album covers and is he in the picture? Oh yeah, there he is. So huh. yeah, she you know <laughs> over an hour. So yeah. And he was just a nice person. You know. Very cool. So over an hour. And it, it would have been a party. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, Les. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I will acknowledge Les for the fact that the um that the that he's consulting with his 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 bride in the notion of all this which is probably good because you know the marriage and the thing in langley we have jason jason what band would you choose if you got anybody at your at your wedding
0: uh he was in the news uh they got ah, a great you... catalog they got a total yep. wedding singer vibe too so they i think totally they do good.
1: which song would you be your favorite if you got to pick one there jace
0: oh geez well for the wedding
1: i guess uh, uh stuck with you Okay, I can't remember the name of the <laughs> song. I'm happy to be stuck with you. Uh, very cool. Yeah, that'd be a good one for the there weekend. you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the call. 877-399-9898. Sorry, Jason, if I cut you off there. It sounded a little bit muffled. It was hard to hear what you were saying. Um, what band would you have at your wedding? Uh, wedding, dinner, music, Greek singer Nana Muscuri. After party, Doug and the Slugs from Vancouver. That's from Lee Ryan in Calgary. Doug and the Slugs would be all right. I, what? What would we be if we didn't take a moment, even though we're short on time here and, and, and get into some Doug in the slugs, I think that just, we would have to probably do day by day. Um, and like, can you go wrong with Doug in the slugs? Like this is total wedding vibe. Am I right? This wedding is a rock one to one presentation. In, uh, in Q107, I suppose that would fit for uh, Calgary and Toronto too. So there you go. So there's another text comes in. Um, I don't know who it's from. It's from Alberta and it's for uh, Tone Woke.
2: Let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, because maybe I have to, you know, it's wedding day. It's like Gail said. She's heard rumors that the wedding can be uh, a fun affair, right?
0: Working all week, not 5 from a- uh,
1: And Wild Thing. Thank you very much. Uh, a couple of other text messages here. Brick House, Amber from Nelson, B.C. Uh, they used to be the house band at the Yale in Vancouver. Bluesy vibe gets everyone up dancing forever. A fan. Thanks for the shout out for the band. Appreciate that. Bare Naked Ladies would be awesome at a wedding. That comes in from Steve and a couple other people. Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band on there as well. Um, that's Doc from The Rock. Thanks, Doc. Um Guar is there again. Slipknot again. I want to get everybody. Uh Brian Adams is on there uh, for a recommendation. Oh, there's the Van Halen. It was Perry Dreadful who wanted it, Ryan, just like you. Um Struck by Lightning is an awesome band from Edmonton from Les. There you go. Shout out for that band, local band. Uh Billy Idol, who wouldn't want to have Billy Idol? Metallica, Elton John, and Metallica, Lady Gaga, and just her piano for an acoustic. There you go.